Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Piers Morgan Uncensored, breaking news tonight, another horrific mass shooting in America. At least six people are shot dead and 24 taken to hospital after an Independence Day celebration in Chicago turned into horror. We'll have all the latest, including the fact the shooter remains at large and we'll have an eyewitness to the attack. Woke and broke, a British bank adds pronouns but loses customers. We'll debate the big pronoun showdown. As tennis reached breakpoint with Aussie Wimbledon bad boy Nick Kyrgios. And star Mangles Banner singing superstar Macy Gray on why America should ditch its famous flag. I'm Piers Morgan, uncensored, some breaking news tonight, sad breaking news, another unspeakable mass shooting in the United States. At least six people have been killed and two dozen others hospitalised in an attack on a 4th of July, July parade in suburban Chicago. Police say the gunman is still at large and still considered armed and dangerous. He's described as a young white man, aged approximately 18 to 20, which sadly appears to fit the all-too-familiar profile now of these mass shooters in America. There are no further details yet on his motive, but police believe he opened fire from a store rooftop. Witnesses have described hearing a volley of shots in quick succession and seeing bloody bodies covered in blankets. Well, I'm joined now by eyewitness Miles Zaremski. Uh, Miles, thank you so much for joining me. I'm so sorry you've had to go through this. It must have been an absolutely horrific experience. Just if you could, tell, it, tell me what yeah, you witnessed it was, today. It was, was gut-wrenching. And it was like out of a science fiction movie, but it was so real. Um, it was a nice day in, in our suburb, Highland Park, which my wife and I have lived since 1976. Uh, I took a walk to the parade, as I usually do for 30-odd years, just to take in the sights. And I was about a half a block to three-quarters of a block uh, away from the scene of the carnage which was on Central Avenue, which was the main thoroughfare of our suburb. And, and the cross street was 2nd Avenue, 2nd Street. And I, at first I heard a pop and then a second pop. So I thought it was the backfire of one of the vehicles that started off the parade or maybe a firecracker. And then there were multiple pops, pop, 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 pop. And I'd say there were two sets of pops, probably 15, 20 each you know, maybe 30 overall. And then all of a sudden, the crowd started rushing towards me or going west on Central Avenue. And I and they were just, it was like mass hysteria. And so 
uh, I was not knocked down, but then I kind of gingerly walked forward and saw something I've never seen in my entire life, even having been in the service a long, decades ago, of blood on the ground, uh, individuals uh, with blood on them. I saw at least a couple that, had, that were in a pool of blood and not moving as if, if they were deceased. And even I saw, think I saw a young boy who was ashen in his parents' arms and he was not moving either. It was just horrific. And what makes this doubly horrific, I guess, was that it was on July 4th, the day that we celebrate our country's founding. Um, and it's at Highland Park is a lovely law-abiding community, a suburb of Highland Park, of uh, Chicago. Um, we're not a troublemaker or rabble rouser. And if it can happen in Highland Park, it can happen in any area within the country. And yes, of course, it's happened at churches and synagogues and schools and entertainment venues. Uh, it was just horrific, Piers. Miles, I, it's such a graphic description of what you've been through and you've really taken us to, to what happened. Uh, but you hit the nail on the head there. There have been so many mass shootings recently in America, horrific mass shootings. But for this to happen on July the 4th, for somebody to be on a rooftop of a store deliberately targeting Americans as they celebrate their independence, it's, it's a particularly heinous crime. What does it say to you, coming off the back of so many horror mass shootings? What does it tell you about the state of your country right now? Well, I didn't want to get into politics, but obviously uh, um, uh, we need to do more in the United States as elsewhere. Look what happened co in Copenhagen the other day yeah. Um, yeah. to protect us from gun violence. And those that think they have a free reign on guns, which they don't, the Second Amendment in, the, in, the, in our country is not, um, is not all encompassing. It's limited. Uh, given my, my legal background, I know a little, about, a little bit about that. But um, what does it say about the United States, indeed, all over the world, is that people don't care about human life, and our politics in the United States are an example of what is, is, is going on. And uh, those that don't want to protect us from guns just don't have the cojones, excuse my word, mm. uh, in passing appropriate legislation. But that's a political thing. But having seen it firsthand, God help us all. Yeah. Miles, I'm, I'm so sorry again to you and to everybody caught up in there. My son's just got back from being at University of Chicago, so I know the city well. And it's I, just... taught, I, used, I, I was an adjunct lecturer there at the, right. at the law school. And it's a, it's a wonderful school. It's a wonderful city. It's been sadly ravaged by gun violence. But as you rightly say, yeah. you know, Highland is a very nice suburb of Chicago. It's not a gangland area or anything like it. And for this to happen there uh, on this particular day is an appalling crime. Miles, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me, Piers. Best. Bye-bye. Wish you all the best. Thank you. Well, I wanted to celebrate over a few minutes today, the 4th of July, on behalf of my American friends. Obviously, it's a bittersweet day for we Brits because we got kicked out of the country. But America won its independence, and they come together on this day usually every year to celebrate together of all political persuasions. But it doesn't feel like that today, does it? This latest mass shooting, another horrific event 
in a way, horribly exemplifies so much of the hatred and tribalism in the US right now. It's a country that I love. I love the people. I love the country. But where's the national unity? Where is the United States? It looks to me more disunited than ever. Well, my first guest tonight was actually uh, someone I interviewed several days ago, before this horrific breaking news, of course. And she thinks that even the Star Spangled Banner itself should now be up for debate as we try and bring the country into a more unified place. One year ago, Grammy-winning superstar Macy Gray wrote an op-ed calling for the redesign of the most famous flag in the world to better represent the diversity of the country today. Well, she was immediately attacked by cavalcade of critics. One congresswoman suggested if she didn't like it, she should leave the country. But Macy Gray insisted to me uh, that she loves America, that her argument was simply misunderstood. And tonight, I started our interview uh, by asking her if she stands by that argument, and if so, why? So, Macy, let me talk to you about a furore that you were involved in last year, because I found it very interesting, the way the debate played out. You wrote an op-ed uh, for Market Watch... Yes. Uh, ..a year ago, actually, in which you said that the American flag no longer represents democracy and freedom, and you wanted it changed. Mm. Why? Well, I, I just think that uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's like in a, in a general thing, it's just a new day. It's just time to, you know, you reboot the Constitution, the flag, all the, all the old standards, you know, that, that our, our ancestors lived by, you know, were right for, for the time they lived in, but we're in a different time, you know. So, um, so the flag is... Uh, so in, in the States, you know, to me, what the States do best is diversity, is culture. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Without culture in America, you really don't have much going on. You know, you have, you know, I don't know, Amazon. Like, what do you have if you don't have colour in the States? Right? I mean, I agree with that. What I would yeah. say to you is, though, that it's such a divisive issue, things like the flag. Do you not think there's a danger? I mean, I'm interested in what, how you feel a year on from that debate. You got hammered, obviously, by a lot of people. A lot of Americans were outraged. Others thought you raised an interesting point. In a way, it wasn't that dissimilar to what Colin Kaepernick went through with the protests that he was doing. Some agreed with him, others were furious. Do you have any regrets about the, what you said about the flag? No, in fact, I'm excited to bring it up again because I, I think it's more important now. What, what I want to do is, is more important now. It's just messaging. It's just, it's just like if you, if you... So my idea was to make the stars the colors of all of us. So there'd be a star representing you, one representing me, one representing everybody in the room, right? So that way you look up to the flag and you feel welcome, you feel included, you feel like you belong there. But why does... OK, let me play devil's advocate. Yeah. Which is... I think the American flag is a fantastic flag. I love my flag here, too. Uh, the English flag, the UK flag. I love these flags. To me, they're not about making any kind of diverse point. They're just great flags. And if I was an American, most Americans I've spoken to about this, they say that there are other ways to, to celebrate diversity. Juneteenth mm. is one, right? right? There are other ways to do this. Why go after such a powerful emblem of the United States of America when it causes the whole debate actually a lot of disunity? Whenever the flag was, was, was conceptualised, mm. they, they made it based off what was going on during that time, which was... A war, that's another thing. We celebrate a flag that represents war. I actually have an American flag on my office wall you at do? home. Yeah. Why? Fact, I think we've got a, have we got a picture of it. Um, I think we have it. Oh, look, that's my office wall uh, in London. Uh, I look at that every day. 
Uh, it's a, actually quite a unique one. It's got 34 stars. Yes. Which means it was actually the flag from the Civil War period when Lincoln right. was president. And that's the only flag that was in use during Lincoln's presidency. And I bought it at an auction because America's been a large part of my life. And I, I find it a stirring emblem. And I never look at it and think, well, that's about white people or you know, white power over black people or that's attacking diversity or it could be more diverse. I just think it's such a magnificent emblem. Now, I'm white, so I might think that. Well, it's not, it's not that it's about white people. It's, it's just that I, I, everything is different than when Lincoln was president. So, and whoever designed that flag designed it for that day. So I'm just saying, what's wrong with a new flag? What's wrong with representing where, where we are now? Like, we, we no longer have 34 states, right? So, right. so they made one with 50 states. So. Well, they've changed the flag over the years. That's true. When you got kicked back on this, yeah. did it surprise you how ferocious some of it was? Did you mind? Did you expect it? No, I didn't expect it. I, I thought people would agree with me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought people would be like, yeah, let's, let's do a new flag. I don't know, it's kind of an art project. It's just like, well, well I don't see why not. That's mm. my thing. Do you feel that more people are aware of racial injustice, of racial equality? Do you feel like the taking the knee, which went around the world mm. like wildfire, especially after George Floyd was killed, yeah. do you feel that that all helps or are these just token things which don't actually make any tangible difference? Um, I, I think it made a lot of people aware. I think when it, when it comes to changing someone's view on race or people, uh, that's that's more than a one event. That's mm. a, That's... You know, that's growing up, that's parenting, that's where you go to school, that's what neighbourhood you live in. There's a lot that goes into how you feel about people that aren't like you. You know what I mean? Do you, do you feel that America is more or less racist than when you grew up? It's definitely not as bad, you know. Mm. Uh, I was born in the 60s, so I don't understand racism, to be honest with you. I, I, like, I get, like, I'm sitting here with you and we're different, you know what I mean? And there might be things that I, I, would be, I wouldn't want to say in front of you that I might say in front of mm. my friends of colour and vice versa. But, like, to hate someone or want to kill someone or mm. hold somebody down because of what they look like, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, I completely agree. I think, yeah. I think most people would completely agree with that. Yeah. I do think racism is a, is a minority, fortunately, in almost every country particularly America and Britain. I don't think it's it, by any means a popular thing, but it exists. And it's the, it's what's the best way to tackle it? What's the best way to get rid of it? You have to let go of uh, needing to be better than, than everyone else. You have to let go of, of, of your hang-ups about slavery. You have to let go of your hang-ups about superiority. You have to... You know, it's, a, it's very personal how you feel about other people, you know. Like, we could have a conversation about how you feel about women, you know? Mm. And there, there would be so many things that, that went into that, you know? I mean, we're in an era now, Macy, where you can't... Yeah. Most public figures are too terrified to even say what they think a woman is. I know! I mean, well, if I asked you what a woman is, what would you say? I would say uh, a human being with uh, boobs. How <laughs> <laughs> you have to start there? Yeah, I mean, yeah. the dictionary is quite straightforward. It just says a, a human, adult, female, yeah. right? No, a lot of people... Yeah, see, that's... Now, that's a little getting confusing. The whole he, she, they, that's, that's going to... And I'm not rap. sure why, really. It's a, it's a bit like this whole issue of, of transgenders mm. in sport. 
Because I, I support all trans rights to fairness and equality. Me too. But not where you have people born to obvious physical superior bodies... Me too. ...transitioning and then thrashing the women at their sport. I totally agree. And I, I will say this, and everybody's going to hate me, but as a woman, just because you go change your parts doesn't make you a woman. Right. Sorry. You feel that? I know that for a fact. Mm. Like, if you want me to call you a her, I will, because that's what you want. But that doesn't make you a woman just because I call you a her and just because you got a surgery. Because people do feel, feel that you, there's biological sex and then there's gender identity, that you right. can identify as whatever you like you in terms of a gender, right? Yeah, that's totally. the freedom we live in. Absolutely. But actually, you can't change the mechanics of biological sex. They are what they are. Well, just every like women go through just a, a completely unique experience, that, and 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 surgery or, or you know finding yourself doesn't doesn't change that. You know, being a a little girl is is a whole epic book. You know, and and you can't you can't have that just because you want to be a woman. I mean, you know, you that when, when people like J.K. Rowling have, have said this, mm -hmm. they get attacked, they get abused. Yeah. The cancel culture mob comes from me. She gets called. A, she gets called transphobic and so on. You might get the same for saying it. But it's the truth. I'm not. I, and I. And, and 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 I don't think you should be called transphobic just because you don't agree with. You know. I, I just. There's a lot of you know, judgment and throwing you know stones at people for for just saying what it is. You know what I mean. You have hung out with some very interesting people in your time. Yeah. Prince was one of them. You sat in a dark room. <laughs> he called me onto his room. The lights were out, which was weird, and you talked for two hours in this dark room. Yeah. And he gave you a great bit of advice. Do you remember it? Yes. He said, uh, just remember it's not about you. What did he mean by that? That as an artist, it's about what you give, what you, how you make your fans feel. I read yeah. recently that you're, you're looking for love. Well, you know, that's 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 subjective. That's you know, that that could mean a lot of things. What, what what did you mean by it? What did I mean? I don't know. I don't know. You know, I haven't been in a relationship in a while, and I kind of picture myself, uh, you know, doing all that right now because it's a lot of work, and I don't see it yet. But I'm thinking when I do, I'm I'm just gonna have a an audition. Really? Yeah, I'm just gonna like have a cattle call, and I get to chew. <laughs> Did I say that wrong? <laughs> I have a man call. A cattle call? Yeah, and I'll pick the ones, you know... Well, a lot of bulls to. turn up. Is that the idea? Yeah, Male and bulls. And then I'll inter interview them. And then I'll... And, and, then I'll and just to give them a bit of help before they join the queue, <laughs> and it'll be, a, I'm sure, a very extensive line, but um, <laughs> what advice would you give them about the kind of man you're looking for? Oh, gosh. See, that's, that's a long... OK, let me think. Well, you know, not to be corny, but there's energy. You know, there's connection. There's, like, you look at someone and you, you know, it's that thing. Energy. Yeah, it's energy. You know, you're comfortable with someone. Tall? Small? Do you For care? For sure tall. They have to be tall? tall? Yeah. How tall are you? Six one. Oh. Plenty of energy? You're married. <laughs> but she'll, probably, she'll probably train me. She's probably watching. <laughs> but, no. But, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, definitely tall. Because I'm tall. I'm 5'11". How many, how many times have you actually been properly in love in your life, do you think? Well, I've been married twice, so that's two plus maybe two more. Four times. It's difficult. Yeah. To get to go there, you know. Well, hard to be also when you're as successful as you are. Thank you. And you're famous. Thank you. And you're doing all this and you're being Macy Gray. It's hard to then have a human relationship, right, where you can, I guess, completely trust people. 
Uh, no, I don't, I don't have, I'm not a big, uh, you know, trust. I don't, I don't really worry about that. I just, uh, it's just a comfort thing for me, you know, who, who I can sit with and then be myself at least, you know, most of the time. When you came out with your criticism of the American flag, yeah. you did also, I think, make it clear that you were proud to be an American. Very. I, lo I love my country, probably more than most of the people who criticize me. Right. Yeah. I was going to ask you that. No, I love my country. I'm, I'm proud of my country. I'm, I'm proud of, of where I'm from, of, you know, being a woman, being black. I love everybody. I can honestly say I love everybody. And if I could have the power to let you relive one moment in mm -hmm. your entire life. Yeah. Outside of having your kids and getting married, what would you choose? Boy, let's see. There's days in the week when I lay in my bed in my underwear and I switch channels and I don't have any, and I'm not worried about anything. And they're the best. Those are the best. <laughs> and I just go through my channels and I find something. And I, I just... don't have to get up and go to Piers Morgan on I, I can just lie here. To sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the best moments. You know? uh, do you sing when you're on your own? You just start suddenly let rip. Uh, I do. You know, I, I do. I do start singing. Yeah, sometimes. Because I'm still, like I said, working on my voice. I'm trying to get to a thing. You know, that I'm working on. So I have a song called uh, Every Night, which you got to hear. That should actually be the, the theme for you. It's your, out now, yeah, I know that. Yeah. For your new TV From the new album, The Reset. Congratulations. Mm -hmm. And then I have a song called Thinking of You. It goes, okay. I am drinking and I am thinking of you. And were you thinking of me when you sang that? Totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Macy, it's great to see you. Uh, the new album, The Reset, is on uh, released on July 8th. Your new single, Every Night, is out now. And you just finished you. your UK tour and you're on, your, on tour in America now. Yes. Well, best of luck with it. Thank you. Lovely to see you. Thanks for having me. Uncensored Next, is this the sex scandal that may finally finish Boris Johnson? Other letters from Pestminster next. Well, there's growing anger among Conservative Party rebels over Prime Minister Boris Johnson's handling of yet another parliamentary sex scandal. Deputy Chief Whip Chris Pincher resigned from the government on Thursday after admitting embarrassing himself while drunk. He's said to have groped two men. Since then, he's faced a number of historical accusations. Number 10 was aware of some of these claims before appointing him. I'm joined now by Talk TV's political editor Kate McCann. Kate, every time I say, is this a scandal too far for Boris Johnson, we all kind of agree, and then nothing happens. He weaselly carries on. Is it, I mean, is this damning enough to maybe trigger another vote of no confidence if they change the rules to get rid of him? Well, that is the really big question that Conservative MPs are asking. Is this the final straw for Boris Johnson? Is this the one, effectively, the nail in the coffin? And I think, Piers, tonight, it has to be said that Conservative MPs are now speaking out in ever-growing numbers, and they're doing it publicly. Caroline Noakes was speaking to us just before on the news desk, and she made some fairly shocking allegations, suggesting that she'd encountered Chris Pincher in the middle of the day, on a Tuesday, drunk. She'd raised those allegations... Last which week? Put to literally, him. just before he got caught? Literally, yeah. literally last week. She'd raised those allegations with senior people in the party, and they'd been completely ignored. Now, it's important to say I've put those to Chris Pincher, I've not heard anything back yet, but that shows you, doesn't it, that this is not a problem that people didn't know about. Tonight we've indicated that staff in number 10, young male staff in number 10, were warned against 
hanging out with Chris Pincher because of allegations against him. Suggestions, as you say, that the Prime Minister did know about allegations. And just to remind everybody, firm. this is the bloke in charge of, of discipline of MPs. I mean, he couldn't make it up. He's a bloke called Pincher running around getting drunk and groping everybody, and he's the bloke in charge of people behaving themselves. Yeah, and look, you know, Boris Johnson's spokesman today was asked, did he say that pincher by name, pincher by nature? And the spokesman didn't deny it. This is a problem that everyone was aware of. So to come back to your question, Piers, is it the end of Boris Johnson? I think there have been some serious questions about his judgment, not just for appointing Chris Pincher, but then allowing him to continue in that post, as you say, responsible for welfare, at a time when this is not the only scandal that the Conservative Party has faced in well, the last year. I was going to say, you know, I, the re the re I realised the game might be up for Boris this morning morning when I turned on to see which poor cabinet minister was going to be wheeled out to try and defend the latest <laughs> indefensible thing. And this guy appeared. I mean, I'll show his, his picture for people. I had literally no idea who this bloke was. Let's have a look. Question. And both last night and this morning, I spoke with Number 10 to firmly seek clarity as to the situation and who knew what. And I have had an assurance from Number 10 that the Prime Minister was not so aware Apparently of his anything. name's Will Quince and he's some junior minister. But the fact that not even Grant Shapps would go on TV to defend Boris on this one said to me, that's it. Yeah, but look, the point about Will Quince, you're right, you know, he was very clear that he'd been told, specifically, I've been told, not I believe the Prime Minister or I understand Boris Johnson, I've been told. And that's because ministers are now really frustrated of going on TV, having to defend things and then everything turning out to be untrue, uh, not very much later. But Will Quince was talking about childcare policy today on the TV and essentially Number 10 have been saying this is going to save families a lot of money. Will Quince said, well, it probably won't. You've got an even bigger problem than these allegations when you've got ministers going going out on TV and radio stations and saying the exact opposite to number 10. That's a really significant policy problem and that's not going to go away. It just seems like every weekend, new slew of scandals, new shame, new embarrassment, new pressure. Uh, my, with my old newspaper editor hat on, whenever you, the phrase pressure was mounting became the daily refrain for months on end, it normally ended in the person under the mounting pressure being either falling on their sword or being pushed onto one. Yeah, what was that saying? If you're on the front page for 11 days straight or in the newspapers for 11 days straight, then that's the end of your career. Well, I think... yeah, I got fired from the Daily Mirror's editor on day 13. So... <laughs> <laughs> I'm so actually living proof. I'm living look, proof Piers, it can go on longer. <laughs> Piers, you and I have had this discussion before about the end of Boris Johnson, and when you run through everything and you think about all the logic here, you think about can a Prime Minister really survive the things that he's had to survive again and again and again? The difference is we're talking about Boris Johnson, and there is a mechanism for getting rid of a leader in a party, yeah. and he's just survived that. And unless the rules are changed, which I have to say I don't think is necessarily going to happen anytime soon, he's safe from a vote like that for at least another year. All right, well, here now, you go. I'll bet you... Let's do the old... <laughs> um, what was that? What was that film with Dan Aykroyd and Eddie Murphy? Trading Places. They did a, it was a one-pound bet, wasn't it? So why don't we have a one dollar for them? Let's do a one-dollar bet. I say Boris gone by Christmas. You want to take that bet? Yeah, I say he stays. Okay, we're on one dollar, and I will will come and get it. <laughs> Kate McCann, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, well, let me make a statement now. I'm Piers Morgan. I am. A man. I identify as a male. I would hope that was reasonably clear from my appearance, but a great number of businesses think that we should be displaying our pronouns in email signatures or even name badges to avoid the possibility of someone looking at me, for example, and thinking, I'm not sure what he is 
if he doesn't have a little name bag, which I'm putting on myself here now, and I'll explain why in a moment. Let me just make sure I don't hit myself with this pin. Um, here we go, there we go. So, Halifax, one of the biggest British banks, is asking staff to wear pronoun badges. They tweeted, pronouns matter, hashtag, it's a people thing. So far, so virtue signalling and a welcome step, of course, for inclusivity. Or was it just bonkers? Well, in just a moment, I'll be speaking to comedian James Barr, who uses the pronouns he, him, his, presumably because he's a bloke, and Howard from Halifax, who's wearing also pronouns he, him, his, but I don't think you really think you ought to, do you, Howard? Now, Howard, you might recognise, because he was Mr Halifax. He used to be literally the guy doing the ads for the bank. Take a look. Baby, I'm a banker who's completely obsessed. Got a little something that's bound to impress. This current account pays a higher amount of extraordinary interest. Okay, well, I'm with Howard. Howard, great to see you. Uh, and comedian James Barr uh, is with me, as I mentioned. James, let me start with you. Here's the problem I have with what Halifax did. If you want to do this badge thing, and I've been to conferences where people wear badges, if you want to do it, fine. The problem I have with what Halifax did is whoever runs their Twitter account not only tweeted a load of virtue signalling nonsense around it, but also started telling anyone who was objecting, well, then you can take your custom elsewhere, which I thought was a startling piece of absurd, over-the-top virtue signalling for the Twitter account of a British bank. Just stick to the handling our money. What's the matter with you all? Your view? Well, let me first of all just say the whole country was really hoping that you would get that whole pin thing wrong just now, but I'm glad that you are okay. <laughs> it took me a while, actually, um, and I didn't actually I pin myself. I'll, so I'll tell you like, why you my girl? pin says oh, in no, a moment. It's, it's hot, hottest. Right, okay, yeah, cool. Hot, and hottest, anyone... and hot, hotter, hottest. And my preferred Has pronouns. Got that wrong? Now, are you prepared you to call me by my preferred pronouns? pronouns? James. <laughs> For the purposes of this interview... Has anyone called you ugly since wearing those, or do you feel happy now that you are identifying correctly? I think if we're going to go in down the road of any pronouns you like, I would like you, now in this interview, to keep calling me hot, hotter or hottest. Do you think that's reasonable? I, I disagree, but I'm very happy to call you by those because I respect your pronouns, as Halifax do with their customers. But you don't actually don't think, think I am hot, do you? So why would you? Well, I mean, some might, but I, I don't. But that's how you want to identify, so that's how I now see you, Piers. And I yeah, think but that's, that's, that's why I think the whole thing is ridiculous and getting more ridiculous. And it's not about you can't do it. You, if you want to do it, fine. But when I see a bank's Twitter account threatening customers and telling them to leave if they don't like it. I'm like, I think the customers on? were threatening the bank and suggesting that they thought it was awful. And so they replied with a clapback, which is right, saying that if you disagree, you can close your account. I think that's brilliant. That's exactly what we need from our allies and people in this community. They're not outside allies. They're, they're, they're woke, virtue-signaling imbeciles. Why do you, who's clearly a, a man, I presume, why do you need to well, have a badge... Well, why do you need to have a badge saying he, him? Because it shows people that I am inclusive and that I'm welcoming other people inclusive to, to feel safe. It's not... You're just a bloke. Well, people that don't identify as he, him or she, her or anyone, to be honest. It just Look, you say, go work, go broke. I say, if it ain't woke, fix it. Like, we need to be telling people that they are safe in our company. You don't and need that's to be telling men it. that they are he, him. They know that. They're men. I mean, this argument is so boring. I'm so bored of having this conversation. Well, and stop, stop. I, companies uh, doing it then. No, companies need to do it. No, More they companies don't. should do it. Let me yes, bring in Howard. Do, yes. Howard, look, look James <clears throat> is entitled to his opinion, and this show is uncensored. You're Absolutely. You can have all sorts of opinions, and there'll be lots of people that agree with him. 
You used to be the front man for the Halifax Pack. Yes. When you saw what they did here, what did you think? Well, I've got to be honest, I was a little bit saddened by it, to be honest with you, Piers, because when I, when I first heard of this message coming out where they were saying that, um, you know, they were changing certain parts of, of the organisation and that if you weren't happy with it, you know, you could close your account, I, f I felt quite sad about that because Halifax has always put its customers first, and, the, and rightly so. Um, and anything that detracts from that, I think, is just wrong. Um, you know, we prided ourselves in customer service. Mm. We positioned ourselves as, as the, um, you know, the country's um, people's bank. Uh, and rightly so, because we had great accounts and, we, you know, we considered ourselves as a family mm. and we wanted to bring our customers in as a family. So I thought this uh, thing was really bizarre and I think it's just totally unnecessary. And we're seeing so many companies now getting into this virtue signalling mm. about these kind of issues and sort of bullying people into going along with it. Mm. You know, sort of freedom of speech and you're, and you're right not to do this kind of thing. You're immediately condemned as some kind of bigot if you don't wear your pronoun badge or you don't do this or you don't do that. I, I really resent that. Well, I, I don't think that's right. I, I think... Because uh, when you start individualising people, that's when you have a problem. I just think that people need to take a common-sense look at this. Mm. Um, obviously, uh, from Halifax's point, if, if they want to make changes, that's fine. But I think that they've sort of, you know, they sort of just missed the boat a little bit on this one because their focus should be on their customers. We all know that the customers of, 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 of your, of your organisation are your lifeblood. Mm. Um, so, you know, to me, I just find it really, really bizarre that they're being forced to do that. I think that I, I read somewhere where they said that there was a, a, a choice. I would have to say that if I was still working for Halifax, I wouldn't have a badge of pronouns. I would have my name on it, mm. but I don't think I would choose um, to have, my, you know, to, to specify a pronoun. That would just be simply my choice. Right. Um, because, you know, and the funny thing about it is a lot of people really don't really take notice of name badges. I mean, when you go to the branches, our customers just want to make sure that we're looking after their banking That's needs. all I care about. And that's, and that's Let me bring important. James back in at the end. I mean, James, is there anything that Howard just said? He was the face of Halifax. Has anything he said made you pause for thought? Uh, no, because to be honest, and without being rude, um, Howard hasn't been the face of Halifax for over 10 years and is quite frankly irrelevant in this conversation, as well as that. I mean, gay marriage wasn't even legal when uh, Howard was working for Halifax. What's gay marriage so, got to do with no, it? No, I don't think it really matters at all. What does gay marriage have to do with it? I'm just saying that the world is in a very different place and this is all about the customers. Yeah, but what Halifax does gay marriage... Sorry, I mean, I, I supported gay marriage, but what the hell's that got to do with... Wearing badges, just saying he just and him when you're a bloke. The world is in a very different place to this conversation. Yeah, but this it's not, James. You see, your world is, and it's a very small world, actually, and the vast majority of people in this country do not agree with you. It might be a startling shock to your system, but not everybody... I would like to ask you this. Why is this so offensive to you? How is this affecting you? It I find it offensive when a life. British bank starts telling people on Twitter, you can just... Sod off if you don't want to wear the pronoun well, badges. I think more banks will follow suit and actually people have to start putting their money under their mattresses again. Because well, actually, people will, what people, the people will do, going. they'll switch to other banks. Because when companies well, go woke like this, they normally go broke very quickly. You know that, I know that. Look, so you think, think you speak for the majority. Actually, actually, you don't... But, James, you don't speak for the majority. I would say you speak for less than 20% of the country. That you talk... Well, I would say that like they run the world. doing an amazing, amazing thing by thinking about that 1% of the country that don't feel safe to walk out of their front door. And they're yeah. telling their customers No-one's going to feel safer wearing a badge saying him, he. Trust me. Nobody. Nobody in the world. If I would feel less safe... Well, as I said earlier, do you When I walk around with hot, my badge hot. saying hot, hotter, hottest... I'm going to feel seriously under threat of all the Isn't people, so male and female, stampeding towards me because I'm so hot.
for trans people and non-binary people that aren't in the conversation. Isn't this just wonderful? That Actually, I don't think there's any conversation chat. that takes place at all these days without trans people being mentioned. So they're in every conversation. Well, it, you know what? That's a very good point. And they just want a boring life, Pierce. They don't Actually, want most to trans people I know boring. do... And they actually are far, have far more common sense. And they think this kind of thing is ridiculous. Most trans people well, I know... it's not every single trans person. And at it's least the they woke know activist element who are destroying them. lives for trans people by making these stupid virtue-signalling things all the time. All trans people want it's is to have fairness and equality. They don't need a badge telling them what they the are. it's not the bank that's causing that trauma. It's interviews and conversations and debates just like this. Trans people's lives are not up for debate. As I said, they want a boring life like you and me and possibly unemployed Howard. My life isn't remotely boring, James. And actually, yours isn't. You're a funny guy. You're a good comedian, so I'll give you that. But uh, it's <laughs> a good you. debate. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. We're uncensored. We like all Thanks views. For me. Howard, great to see you. Thank you. And you were the face of Halifax, and for me, you always will be. Thank you so much. It's very kind. Good to see you. Well, uncensored next. He's through to the quarterfinals of Wimbledon. Has tennis had enough of the nasty Aussie, Nick the Beast, Kyrgios? Tonight's beers back, Richard Tice, Ava Santina. We'll debate that in a few minutes' time. You- wish my great friend Sharon and Ozzy Osbourne a very happy 40th wedding anniversary today. And they said it wouldn't last. Look at them. A wonderful picture that Sharon tweeted. Uh, a great couple. Uh, my God, they've had one hell of a marriage. Good, bad, ugly, fantastic. One of my favourite couples in the world. So happy anniversary. Now, uh, one of my least favourite people, Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> has booked his spot in the quarterfinals of Wimbledon after making a Lazarus-like recovery from the crippling shoulder injury, which he was using to blame every point he lost earlier in the game. But after the drama of his clash with Stefanos... I can't even pronounce his name... <laughs> Sitipas, which saw Kyrgios slap with another fine. The 27-year-old largely kept his behaviour in check on centre-court. But has the sport had enough of nasty Nick? 
Well, the Piers Pat joins me now, Talk TV presenter and leader of Reform UK, Richard Tice, political journalist Ava Santina. Welcome to both of you. So let's take a little look at the highlights of Kiri. It was a bit quiet today, but on Saturday he gave us the full range of Kyrgios the Brat. It's constant bullying. It's a big ball, bro! Why don't you get it's my ball, bro? I'm not sure how I bullied him. I, I was he was the one hitting balls at me. I don't like bullies. So you can hit a ball into the crowd, hit someone and not get defaulted. I don't like people that put people, other people down. Are you dumb? Apart from me just going back and forth with the umpire for a bit. Let's get a new umpire. I did nothing towards Stefanos today that was disrespectful. <laughs> yeah, you know what, bro? You're my douche of the day. Every day, funnily enough, no one even comes close to him. Um, this is what Pat Cash had to say, former Wimbledon great, obviously. This is what he said about Kyrgios. It was absolute mayhem. It's, uh, he's brought tennis to the lowest level I can, I can see as far as gamesmanship, cheating, manipulation, abuse, aggressive behaviour to, to umpires, to linesmen. He was lucky to even get through the first set. He should have been defaulted in the first, in the first about the first set. And it's got something's got to be done about, done about it. He, it's an absolute circus. Well, I completely agree, Ava. I'm glad to hear you speaking like this. I think it's disgraceful. I, I, it's not even about tennis. I think just as a man, I'd be humiliated if like, I saw anyone I knew in my life acting like that. It's utterly disgraceful. And you know what? The thing that really bothers me about it is that Serena Williams in 2018 at the US Open, she was called hysterical because she got upset when mm. she lost her match. You know, she broke her tennis racket. Fine. She was angry, but why aren't we calling him hysterical? Why aren't we calling him the baby that he is? I think that's a really good point, Richard. Serena Williams did get buried when she yeah. behaved that way. Any woman, actually, that behaves like this. And I remember Arthur Ashe, uh, who was one of the first great black tennis stars in America. I remember him saying that if he'd behaved like John McEnroe, he would have been drummed out of tennis, which I thought was also, at the time, a perfectly reasonable point to make. Completely. I think it's a fantastic point you made. But the reality is, what's he trying to achieve? I mean, is he trying to outdo McEnroe? Does it help him, uh, you know, sort of get to greater height? I think he does. Tennis? I think it fires him up, yeah. yeah but, I think it's possibly, a tool in his armoury. Yeah, but actually, he's not been that successful, you know, no. recently. So it's sort of maybe he's trying a, a new tactic. Look, it's not tennis. It's not Wimbledon. But in a sense, there's a chunk of the crowd that loves a villain. Yes. Loves a rogue. No, he had a packed centre court. Of it. Djokovic and, didn't have anything like the turnout that he did. So, that, so there you are. That sort of proves it. In a way, um, his customers, the crowd, they love the villain. Mm. And they well, love remember, the unpredictability. I've got to be fair in the sense that I remember McEnroe, and it was exciting to watch but he was utterly obnoxious. The yes. difference with McEnroe, he's become this very charming commentator. We all love him. Right? And we've kind of forgotten with the mists of time he, he was what awful. he was actually like. He was terrible too. He was awful. He was appalling. Maybe there's hope in 20 or 30 years, Kyrgios will actually be mellowed and be a, a, a sort of an ambassador for the sport. So. No? I think he's just he's just got this <laughs> valve in him. And he, it, I mean, I'm going on Friday. I'm just hoping that on Friday he gets knocked out in front of me. And the last side he has is of me waving goodbye. <laughs> That would be my dream. Well, I don't but, know. He's also got... He's admitted to having a drinking problem before, hasn't he? he was actually, he was today he gave an interesting interview post-match in which he said that when he played on centre court before, I think against Djokovic, something like that, he said that he literally... His coach came and got him from a pub in Wimbledon. I think probably the Dog and Fox is his usual lair. Um, and I was on the Wimbledon News, so I know all the pubs there like the back of my hand. That he, he got dragged out at 4am to play on centre court the next day. And that was a second-round match on centre court. 
So he's he's been a you know he's he's been a player. He's been a player. He's I think he's he's playing the gallery. Yeah. He's enjoying his sort of moments in the sun. Does he? Let's be honest with each other, all of us. Does he make it more more exciting and interesting to watch, even if we can't stand his behaviour? I think it probably does, and mm. I think that's why he fills the crowd. But you know, ultimately the, cust- the customers though? have spoken. They've filled the centre court. I know. Unlike some of the and other. And they players. were cheering him, and I made a point of watching him today just to see if he was going to kick off. And I hate myself for it. It's like eating a McDonald's <laughs> and the self-loathing that comes after. You've fallen for it yourself. But in the moment, it tastes really good, you know? Um, let's talk about Mick Jagger. So I had this debate the other day. You know what? We're going to talk about it after the break because they're all shouting in my ear. And when they do that, I know it's time to have a little break. Well, the Piers back is still with me. Talk to you, presenter and leader of Reform UK, Richard Tice, political journalist Ava Santina. So last week, I mused the idea that Mick Jagger is not a great singer, never has been. And that's one of the reasons why his voice today sounds pretty well as rough as it's always sounded, because <laughs> he's never been a great singer. Unlike Diana Ross, who was a great singer and now sadly isn't so good, or, or Paul McCartney or whatever. Uh, Mick Jagger has now entered the debate. Here's what he said about his own voice. Have you got a good voice? No. Oh, technically. No, not really. I mean, I'm lucky and I still can sing more or less like a, the same notes when I was 19. But no, I'm not a great voice, but it's OK. It, it does its job. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you, Sir Mick. Exactly the point I was making. You are the greatest rock star there's ever been. You're the greatest rock star. You don't need to have a great voice. Leave that to the singers. Just be Mick, who did a brilliant show at Hyde Park at the weekend. Fantastic, still doing it. But the beauty is, he sounds the same pretty much as he's always done. Because he never sounded that good. Great man. Uh, And the other one I want to talk about on music, and I'll come to the pack on this, is Adele, who is still whining about the show she cancelled in Vegas, when a lot of people lost a lot of money who planned trips and everything, and she just cancelled at the last minute. Here's what she said about the cancellations. I'm not going to just do a show because I have to or because people are going to be let down or because, you know, we're going to lose loads of money. Really? Really, Adele? You're not going to do a show because people are going to be let down. Now, Ava, I'm sorry, but I come from an old school that musicians, when they do big shows and put them on and people buy tickets, they turn up. The show goes on. You don't just flounce off to your Hollywood mansion and then months later say, I'm not going to do it because people are let down. Yeah, but then you get Amy Winehouse at Bestival, who was half dead on stage mm. and should have absolutely not been there. That's she, different. She had an addiction. That? How is that? Adele has no addiction other than to her own fame. But she's preventing herself from getting into a place where she does have an addiction. She's saving herself. No, she's not. No, Do me a favour. Saving yourself for what? From a breakdown. At the she time, literally at raced the time, to a Beverly Hills At the time, she claimed it wasn't ready and it wasn't a question of a few days. We're now five months later mm. and there's still no shows booked. She doesn't care about her customers. What's going on? Mm. You know, ultimately, I, I mean, the, the customer is always right. And she, I think she's using and abusing her customers. I used to really like Adele. She's, she's become, a brilliant singer. But she's become a real spoilt little diva, I think. Come on. Amazing. By the way, talking about voices, one of the Incredible. greatest voices yeah. in the world. Fantastic singer. I just find her antics now really irritating. By the way, she talks irritating. I find what she says about her fans irritating. No sense of accountability. No sense of returning all the money they all wasted on flights and hotels, everything. None of it. I have no compulsion, she says, in basically honouring people who are going to be let down. Because Sorry, not having it. Not having Mick Jagger would never do that to his fans. No, he wouldn't. I mean, Ever. Look, I'm, a, I'm an Adele fan, 
but you don't treat people like that. You don't treat your fans like that. I think it's just... Now, talking of, of how we treat people, these are the protesters who, at the weekend, they were invading the Formula One track. Yes, uh, today, a group of them, uh, these are the eco-warriors, they actually glued themselves to a constable painting. Then we got a picture of it, have we? Got the constable painting? Because uh, I just wonder, I don't wish harm on anybody, I just wonder, though, if they are going to glue themselves to these kind of things, why don't we just leave them there, Richard? Look, quickly. I, it, 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 it's appalling what they're doing. You know, they're, they're obstructing... Uh, they're disruptive. It's completely different. You, to... Fantastic. Just leave them glued to it, right? No, fantastic. I think really? it's a brilliant show of really? protest. Wonderful. Leaping onto Formula One tracks. You think that's fantastic? It's crazy. It's irresponsible, and you know we shouldn't we shouldn't let it happen. Voice of common sense. Voice of woke insanity. <laughs> that's it from me. Whatever you're up to, keep it on sense. So thank you to my pack. Uh, good.